Hello, listeners. I just got finished watching an incredible documentary, and I wanted to highlight it for you all. Um, it's a film called Disclosure, and it's directed by Sam Fetter, currently available on Netflix in the, in the United States. Um, the film takes a critical look at the representation of trans lives on screen and how far the tra- portrayal of trans lives has come, but how far it still has to go. They touch on films of the silent film era, Alfred Hitchcock's Psycho, comedies like Tootsie and Soap Dish, to real-life, quote-unquote, stories like Boys Don't Cry. They also examine television from the Jeffersons to Nip Tuck, all the way up to Pose. Uh, The documentary touches on talk shows, how the questioning from the days of, like, the Arsenio Hall show has progressed to the post-Katie Couric interview with Carmen Carrera, and then we got the Caitlyn Jenner reality series. Um, everyone that provides commentary throughout the film is trans themselves. So you really get to hear members of the trans community attempting to grapple with the paltry representation given, but really also examining media that is lauded for its portrayal and how it could, it should be examined intersectionally. So for example, like when they talk about boys don't cry, they talk about how it is a good, there are like that portrayal of that trans character is very good. Hillary Swank obviously won the Academy Award for that, her portrayal of um brandon but um there's it's based on a real story and there's a uh in the murder there was a a real um black man that died and he's not represented on screen so how can we how should stories be told where they where we're not just okay well we're just doing the trans how are we how are we able to do all of the story together um anyway i i really highlight recommend everyone watch it and i'm so glad it's easily available again um it's a documentary called disclosure and it's available right now on netflix go check it out and now enjoy the show previously on harry potter and the anxious millennials a four-year-old should not be reading harry potter i wrote the devil wears prada when i was five so (laughs) i don't know i got that through the scholastic book fair Yes. Oh my god. I know. Oh. I know. Mm-hmm. What a Honestly, time. special. Excuse me. Uh, professor. Why is he doing that? A large group of people that would want it written from Snape's point of view, and I'm already like, oh no. I've never burned a book, but that would be the one. <laughs> if I were to, it would probably be that. Before um, Hagrid, it was the Hundred Acre Wood, and it was just Winnie the Pooh and Piglet and Eeyore. Literally. Can you just send me, like, one thing that you really like about me? In my book, it says, particularly to the Slytherin captain, Marcus Flint, a sixth year. (gasps) Whoa, this is... Wait. Mine says fifth year. Mine says fifth year. I will show you. I'm not kidding. Whoa, 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 whoa. Wow. What is the truth, Joe? (laughs) Welcome to another episode of Harry Potter and the Anxious Millennials, a show where we delve week by week into each chapter of the Harry Potter series. Allie, are yeah, I did. Okay. I forgot what I'm doing. Here. <laughs> I don't know. What am I? <laughs> the host? Who cares? <laughs> Allie, Ari, hello. How are you? Just fine. I'm 
so happy to be talking about this chapter. <laughs> yes, what an incredible chapter it is. It's called, it's uh, chapter 12, The Mirror of Erised. Allie, what happens in it? Well, let me, okay, so let me start out by saying that I know that I said that Diagon Alley was one of my favorite chapters. It's actually, the, the school supply list is one of my favorite pieces of literature. <laughs> this chapter is actually my favorite chapter in the first book. I absolutely love and adore this chapter. It is very special to me. I 100% cried when I was reading it last night, so hats off to me. Setting She's going to cry aside, right now. <laughs> <laughs> Setting that aside, um, the ho- this chapter, this is the summary of the chapter. The holidays have arrived at Hogwarts, and our golden trio are trying to find out who Nicholas, Nicholas Flamel is. In the process of trying to find him, Harry discovers a magical artifact in an unused classroom. The real Ellie test. Has Christmas. The real test of these like synopses is it should be like, does it fit into the old Twitter character rule? So is it a hundred and 40? 140, right? 140. That probably, yeah. what I just said probably did not, but Harry sneaks out, absolutely does. Yeah. Harry gets the invisibility cloak. Mm-hmm. Period. Yeah. Harry gets a sweater. <laughs> Harry gets a sweater. Mm. Um, I wanted a Weasley sweater, like, so bad when you read these books. I Anyone think else? with the commer- commercialization of Harry Potter, you probably could get one now. Yeah, you definitely can. Yeah, I think Thanks, you can get them capitalism. The, I think you can get them in the Wizarding World. You can get like the run with R. You get the ones with the letters on them from the movies. Mm. I just, I always, I look at them and I'm like, it just seems like it would be itchy. Yeah. Am I the only true. one that thought that? I have an issue with wool. Oh, I love. And so, <sighs> oh. I just think that if I put it on, I would immediately have to take it off. Yeah. I mean, if it's made with that nice soft yarn, though, that's always what I picture. Yeah. It's if so it's nice. like, if it's like cotton. But if it if it's even like one percent wool, wool, not I, for you. I'm like that has wool in it. You know how people like <laughs> they people cilantro like, that has a peanut cilantro. in it, and they just like no. That's how yeah. I am with wool. I'm like I immediately I'm like get this off of me. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, let's let's stop talking about ourselves and start talking about Harry Potter. Sounds good. And through talking about Harry Potter, make it deeply personal about ourselves. <laughs> So the chapter starts out, and I, I love this sentence. The first sentence of this chapter is my favorite sentence of all time. Christmas was coming. There is no greater joy in the world than when Christmas is coming. Especially, I think that I love Christmas, and it's a truly magical time, but how magical would it be to have Christmas at Hogwarts? Mm-hmm. I think, like, truly delightful. I think that I would probably, like, pass out because I was so happy. I remember that the there's a podcast that Allie and I used to listen to called Rana and Beverly and one of their jokes oh, yeah. was like the English their first religion is Christmas and then yes. it splits off from there everybody is Christmas and then like yes. the rest of it follows under that so I can only imagine like it it has to be because like Dickens like I don't know something about like that time where just like mm-hmm. there was so much English Christmas literature written that it just is like mm-hmm. okay so we are Christmas so the chapter starts out with a really fun detail that Fred and George have bewitched snowballs to hit the back of Coral's turban <laughs> how pissed was Voldemort <laughs> 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 he was just like that night he was just like i will yep. not stand for this disrespect <laughs> yeah exactly 
<laughs> One of them must die later in the series. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Too soon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> One of them must lose their ear for this. <laughs> the way I have no ears currently. <laughs> or a nose. Yeah. Also, I I have I'm starting to realize I don't love the treatment of animals in any of these books. Like there have been so many instances in this book, and then now they're talking about how the owls, when they came back, they had to be nursed back to health by Hagrid. Oh yeah. Give them a fucking vacation or a break or something. Yeah. My God, there has to be another way for them to share their worthless letters to each other. <laughs> it's like get an get Just an text email. Each other. My God. Jesus. Yeah. You ever heard of Gmail, Harry? Well, <laughs> yeah, get a Gmail. So funny. <laughs> They're in potions class. And I have to say, Malfoy is making fun of Harry. And it says, um, disgusted that the Slytherins had lost, he had tried to get everyone laughing at how a wide-mouthed tree frog would be replacing Harry as Seeker next. That's a pretty good joke. It went right over my head as a kid. I was like, what are they saying? That's a pretty funny joke from Draco. I don't know why no one's laughing at it. Draco's got a tight five. He's ready to go to the comedy warehouse. He absolutely, see him next year at the comedy cellar. (laughs) The opener for Maria Bamford, Draco Malfoy. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It's it's a great joke. And then he just immediately goes into super dark. Yeah. Like there's no, he has no middle material. He's Mm. either like truly funny or like he's, he's just batting a thousand in terms of making fun of someone for not having a family. (laughs) Who does that? And he's 11. I know. I do. I I quibbled with, I, I didn't like that she, or that it's written that he, he was making fun of him for not having a proper family. I don't know. I mean, I guess, I don't know. I was just like, hmm. Mm-hmm. It, it, he doesn't have a nuclear. Yeah, a heteronormative. M- mom. Heteronormative family. Cisgendered mm-hmm. family. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I mean, are we surprised that Draco Malfoy would say that being raised by his mom and dad? I'm not. No. It's because like the narration is such that, is it that he mentioned Drake? Is it like, Draco said proper family or is it like Harry thinks that's what a proper family like I, it's so weird I don't know I guess I just read it like Draco oh yeah 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 that I kind of have a hot take here okay hot take Draco has a superiority complex <laughs> no him how is this a <laughs> hot trying to take? tell me that Snape loves Lily <laughs> it's not Adam oh this is a cold take folks <laughs> This take has been on ice. (laughs) And so then they leave potions class and they run into Hagrid and Hagrid's getting ready to to decorate the castle. Just doing all the heavy labor, essentially. Mm -hmm. I have to say there would be no joy greater than decorating Hogwarts for Christmas. That's truly like the major leagues if for for someone who decorates for Christmas. Yeah, true. You know, it's like it's like your home and then the next level is like the Macy's storefront windows. The windows. And then like the the the, the, ne- the next level is the White House and then like yeah, the top tier is the Hogwarts. 
Well, I know. And, and it's not currently being given yeah. to do. It's yeah. every time it's a horror, it's the set of a horror film. <laughs> yeah. It's Melania's like, decorations. I can't, those so red, yes. those yes. red trees were crazy. It's like, it's like she was like, hey, can we get Guillermo del Toro to do the uh, decorations in the White House? You know how, you know how when the elevator opens in The Shining, it's just a wall of blood? What if we yeah. did that, but with trees? <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Uh, sorry. Okay. So Malfoy comes out and he like makes another joke at Ron's family's expense. And then Ron goes to like, literally physically harm Malfoy and then Snape comes in and is like hey stop it and then Hagrid speaks up and is like well he was making fun of his family and he's like be that as it may fighting is not allowed on school grounds so he took five points from Gryffindor and I'm gonna be on Snape's side on this one (laughs) if it's like I didn't hear sorry if I didn't hear you say like anything I'm not gonna be like he would still deserve more points taken away than someone who's just like, your family sucks, in my personal opinion. You're a little bitch. I don't care. So Hagrid, Hagrid says, I want to give you guys a little treat. Let me show you the Great Hall and the Christmas decorations in the Great Hall. Remember how I said for Halloween that 2,000 bats was overkill? No. 12 Christmas trees seemed very appropriate. Yes, I have no problem with 12 Christmas trees. I yeah. love that. Good for them. Yeah. That's, it's tasteful. That's tasteful. 2,000 bats, tacky. (laughs) 12 Christmas trees, tasteful. The right amount. (laughs) And a reference to the 12 days of Christmas. We love symbolism. We love, (laughs) we love that. Yeah. (laughs) So they're, they have a little bit of a break and they say, let's go to the library. We're looking up Nicholas Flamel. And wouldn't you know it, they are just having the darndest time trying to find him. Does the Hogwarts library not have, like, a card catalog? That's literally what I was thinking. Yeah, for the chocolate frog cards. Mm-hmm. Or even just, just, like, seemed- like a Dewey Decimal, like, where, where can I find information? We're just guessing books now. We're just guessing. And, like, are they, also, are they here's flipping the other through thing. the entire book? That's what I'm saying. Do these books have indexes? Like, all you have to do is just yes. go to the back and look for F. And if you're like, nope, not in here. We don't need to, like, spend weeks reading books six books which is all they've combed through so far they apparently don't have indexes in the wizarding world have no such not. thing <laughs> truly i do, it's a very inefficient culture the wizarding culture i'm gonna be really <laughs> honest here so they're not having luck finding him and then harry's like mm, maybe he would be in the uh restricted section he says something about they they didn't dare ask Madame Pince because it would be just their luck that Snape would overhear them. Do they think he's just lurking around I the didn't library? Understand that either. I thought maybe it was like she starts discussing it in the teacher's lounge, like while they're all smoking together or something. Because it's like <laughs> on their smoke like, break. Yeah, it's the 90s. So they're all just smoking in the teacher's lounge together. And she's like, you could you won't believe what these kids were asking about. <laughs> also what a boring take to be like madam prince the li- pins the librarian she's mean i was like wow Severe. every every libi- librarian ever in the history of literature has been the exact same yeah that's a good point i was a, I was, a real marion peru yeah i was a little bored with it i was like all right 
You couldn't have thrown anything in there for her? She had too many other characters to, to give backstories to. That's <laughs> true. So they, they leave the library. Hermione goes on Christmas vacation with her dentist parents. And love that. Harry I truly, truly love that her parents are dentists. I'm not kidding. And both of them, not I love just that, one. Why are I they both that, dentists? I love that they're both dentists. And I love that she has buck teeth, even though they're dentists. I love <laughs> yeah! everything about this whole... <laughs> It's so funny to me. <laughs> Didn't even help their own daughter out with that. Yeah. I could you like imagine if she sh- she showed up to school with braces and all the wizards were like, what the fuck are those? Yeah. Yeah. T- <laughs> I mean, she probably should have had braces then. She's 11. So that's why it's, yeah, whatever. So Harry and the Weasley brothers are at Hogwarts spending their holidays and they're just doing so many cozy things. Just so many cozy activities. One of the things that I really love are the wizard chess pieces mm-hmm. and how petty they are. I love yeah. that they talk back. I love yeah. that. And I wish they had done that in the film because that to me was such a funny idea. Yeah. Because I also imagined it being like a little voice, like a little like, hello. <laughs> it's like a little knight. And he's like, hey, you don't see him over there. They're all like cockney. You me over there. <laughs> So cute. It's Christmas morning and Harry awakes to discover that he has a pile of presents at the foot of his bed, which is very special for him. So sweet. Because it's the first time that he's really ever gotten presents. Yeah. I was a little sad that the presents weren't under a Christmas tree. I was like, you can have 12 12 trees in the the, like great hall, but you can't throw like one per little room or whatever. For real. Is that not a British thing? That they're in the, at the at the I don't know at the foot of the bed. Oh, I don't know. Is it? Where I just assumed it was a British. Where's Michael? Michael. Where are yeah. Christmas presents in the UK? Oh my God! A guest appear. A guest appearance. <laughs> you won't. They won't be able to hear him. I don't think. We're curious if you have um, your Christmas presents under your tree or at the foot of your bed. Oh hi! Hi everybody. Um, wait, say again. In England, do you guys put presents under the Christmas tree or would you have them at the bottom of your bed, like at the end of your bed? Um, well, we have a stocking that's hung on the door. A stocking. On the door? Presents under the tree. On your bedroom door? No. The stocking's on the bedroom door. The presents are under the tree. At your house? Yeah. Okay. Typically in England. In England? Yeah. I mean, Mm. as far as I'm aware, I only have experience with one household, but... They can hear you. You just can't hear them. Oh. (laughs) I want to know what they're saying about me. Nothing. (laughs) So, no. So, what we're saying is this is factually inaccurate. Yeah. In in the movie, though. It's under the tree. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. In the movie, it's under the tree. And it's probably more like the house elves just deliver it. Like a who's who. Like, yeah. Yep. That's so weird to think there's just house elves like wandering around wandering in around. your room at night. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> just watching you sleep. It's fine. <sighs> do you imagine if you woke up? Like, what would you do? I guess they just disappear. Especially I... if you were muggle born, you'd be like, what? What? What is it? <laughs> I know. So, Ron, so one of Harry's gifts is a 50 cent piece. 50 yes. pence piece. Let's talk about um, it. From the Dursleys, which like, 
I don't know. It's funny to me. I'm going to be honest. An but excellent what, gift. But so what? Ron says, is astounded by it and is laughs at the shape of it. And then yeah. I was like, it's a coin. So then yeah, I looked like up this. I looked up what a 50 pence piece was and it has seven sides. It's not just a circular coin. I was like, oh, Ron, you are right. What a kooky coin. Love I that. might have one in my room. I didn't know. 50 pence? I literally, I, all I did, I like was like gonna make a note about it just to be like, what an idiot Ron is. It's just like, there's already coins in the <laughs> wizarding world. And then I was like, let me just look it up to see that it's like normal. And then I looked up and I was like, oh. yeah. This is our first introduction to the Weasley family sweaters. Yeah. And Ron complains that every year his is in maroon. Yeah. How else is she supposed to tell their clothes apart? But why maroon specifically? Like, well, I do feel bad for him for that. Because also Molly does have red hair herself. Like, it's not the best color to match with red hair. I think because if every child got their own color, so that because she has six boys, and so when she's doing the laundry, she needs to be able to tell whose is whose. Color, yeah. So sort and so colors. She's, she, she assigns every child a color, and so he's the sixth boy, so all the good colors have been taken. Aw. So Ron gets maroon. So what does Ginny get? Like, black? Yeah. Here's your black Gray. sweater. Ginny's, Ginny's got the women's cut. <laughs> got it. Okay. What more color do shapely, we think? More shapely Percy. for the 10-year-old that Ginny is. <laughs> Ew. What color do we think Percy's sweater is? feel like it's purple just doesn't say i said purple too alliteration also i annoy i like was a little annoyed with like ron being like i don't like maroon and i was like your mom give you a fucking gives you a hand knit sweater every year oh yeah it's probably not actually hand knit it's probably like magically knit magically knit but i was like get over yourself ronald you're in scotland you need like six sweaters (laughs) you're not in scotland I thought about that with the fudge too. Like the fact that Harry's eating the fudge and he says it's so good. And Ron's just like, meh, does not care. Happily give me fudge, please. I know. I was like, I want the fudge and a sweater. We always want what we can't have. Hermione gives Ron and Harry presents. Do you think they got a present for Hermione? No, No, of course not. Not Not at all. I expect men to do anything correct. No. These two? No. The moment she left, she was, she like, they forgot she was a person. (laughs) They're like, she comes back and they're like, who are, oh. Oh, right. Oh, Um, Oh, right. So Harry gets a very special gift this Christmas. What is the gift? It's the invisibility cloak. Come to find out, no spoilers, but spoilers. It's also a Deathly Hallow. But more importantly, it's the invisibility cloak. And- I do, part of me does take issue with the fact, I think this is another one of those things where it's like reading it now when you have the knowledge of the other books. The fact that Ron knows it's an invisibility cloak, how? No one, there, no one else in the series has an invisibility cloak. He's like, they're super rare and super valuable. I don't know, maybe there's like shitty invisibility cloaks where it like, it's like not, as good like you know what i mean yeah you can kind of disappear That's but not what fully. i thought is like maybe it's like he thinks it's like 
oh, one of those expensive, not like he can't assume it's the actual one from the story, the Beetle and the Bailey or Beetle Bailey, the comics. Beetle book. and the Bard. Beetle, Beetle and Bard. Bard. I do want to say, Albus Dumbledore, what a great gift giver. <laughs> I just the image of him sitting in his office and wrapping this gift and just being like, Harry, that little shit. I just, he's going to get into so much mischief now. I can't wait for him to just wreak havoc. That little so-and-so. I think he just sits in his office and giggles about Harry. I think that's really what he does a lot of times. Is he's just Gossips like, with Snape. Well, yes. I would say 70% giggling, 5% Snape, 25, or 25% um, practicing his drag. Routine. Okay, good, good one. <laughs> That took so long. I was like, oh my God. Listen, I didn't, I didn't want to be like doing gay stuff. So how did Jane get this? Do we know? His dad passed it down. It's an heirloom. Oh, it's, it's the Potter family invisibility cloak. Well, because you later find out that they're descended from the Peverells. Yeah. Which are the original brothers. Mm -hmm. Got it. I didn't actually know that. He also, I do just want to point out that James did not leave the invisibility cloak in Dumbledore's possession. He wasn't like, Dumbledore, keep this safe for me. Dumbledore was like, James, I need that cloak. Yeah, let me look at that. Let me look at that. So Dumbledore is bending the truth a little bit. Mm-hmm. He's making it seem, oh, I want to make sure. It's, it wasn't like he was like, make sure Harry gets this. That's not what happened. So they go to the Great Hall for Christmas dinner. This is insane. This is stupid. The amount of turkeys for what you have to assume are like 20 people is absolutely ridiculous. Mm. 100 turkeys. Isn't, doesn't it? Hold on. I thought it said hundreds. I'm nearly positive. It says says 100 100 fat roast turkeys. Still ridiculous. Absolutely. Yeah, you don't need 100. I bet they don't even have 100 kids there. No, they don't. For turkey. What do they do with the rest of the food? I mean, do they really? do they they use the leftovers the next day for like a turkey? Casserole? They just give it all to Fluffy. They're well, like, they, glad they, you've been chilling out up here. Here's your reward: a shit ton of turkey. They give them to um. They make them turkey sandwiches later that night that they eat. Well, yeah, but it's still a hundred turkeys. No, That's I know leftovers I'm so, for like a month. Yeah, they make it. They make like a little like a turkey bake, and then they do like a like a a turkey um, casserole. And I would be so sick of turkey. Oh my god! I know. I'd be like, I literally had so much turkey. Can you not turkey instead of a a turkey stir fry instead of a chicken stir fry? (laughs) They're just prepping because they know Hagrid's gonna get wasted and then want to eat whatever is in sight. So they're like, let's have a hundred turkeys just in case. We don't do you know. Think, do you think he personally caught all 100 turkeys? He was like, all right, got to go catch the food for the feast. <laughs> yeah. So then they're, they're having fun. They're opening up, you know, the crackers in, in, in the hall, the wizard crackers. Why is no one in the wizarding world concerned with mice? Like, they're just like, yeah, let's let these mice run around where we eat every meal. I just feel like this castle has to be overridden with mice. Like, there's no way you're going to patch holes in a yeah. castle. Well, that is why Mrs. And Norris cockroaches. Is there. That's true. Yeah, Mrs. Norris, that's her job. That's why you're allowed to bring cats as one of your familiars. <laughs> yeah. And owls. Hagrid gets drunk again. 
Another yep. feast, another drunk Hagrid. I mean, honestly. I It's crazy that until you pointed that out, like at the beginning of the series or at the beginning of the book that like, I am shocked at how many times he is referenced drinking. drinking. And now he's assaulting another faculty member. Yep, he's kissed Minerva. Yeah. Rubius. Yeah. Although it does say she yourself. It does say she was into it though, which I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I need to know their ages. I'm pretty sure McGonagall is like, was a teacher when Hagrid went to school. So that makes me a little uncomfortable. Oh, I don't think she was, because wasn't um, he? Dumbledore, Dumbledore was, was transfiguration, transfiguration professor. professor. Wasn't she there though? Hagrid's old? pretty old. I think that Hagrid's older than we realize because he's only a couple years younger than Voldemort. So Hagrid, I think, is in okay. his like late fifties, early sixties. I guess I just always pictured McGonagall. I guess probably. You know what? That's probably because Maggie Smith played her though. Mm-hmm. So never mind. Let me just stop right there, because <laughs> she literally could have been if she was Harry's parents' teachers. Then mm-hmm. yeah, she would be way younger than Hagrid. I also so, loved that this was the first time I realized that it says that she was wearing a top hat because I, in my mind I always pictured it as a witch's hat, but yeah. she got she got a top hat from the little cracker. So she just has like uh-huh. a little jaunty top hat like perch. <laughs> <laughs> she's, she's giving us full um, Marlena Dietrich. Yeah, very that. <laughs> So they go to bed, but Harry can't sleep because he needs to break some rules. He can't go more than 24 hours without breaking some type of school rule. Got that from his dad. <laughs> so he, the puts family. On, he puts on his invisibility cloak and he's like, where should I go? And you can tell that Hermione already has a great influence on him because the one place he wants to go is the library. So he makes his. He, you thought that was going to be so funny. You were no, like waiting. For, oh, okay. I was like, you are waiting for us to laugh. No, I just wanted to make a note of that. She wanted to emphasize him and Hermione are homies. Okay. Yeah. I just, I wanted them to know. I think it's less Hermione and more just like he's very interested in finding out this mystery that he is convinced is like a full situation confirmation bias yeah he's doing something he's just always got to be doing something really brave and also really stupid yeah yes that sentence mary's mo (laughs) so he goes to the restricted section and he is looking at the books and he just picks one at random opens it up and much to harry's luck it screams at him right what is the point of even having a book like that? Like, let's discourage kids that already don't want to read from reading even more. What? Do you think, this is a thought that I had last night. Do you think any of the books would have done that? Do you think that that's a wizard security system? So Madam Pince be. knows if if someone's there after hours trying to sneak around and read. I, I also, I, the restricted section is also kind of like the back room at a video store. Yeah. Like... <laughs> That's true. So, so it's she. She has to. She has to know when the children are trying to to learn about things that are inappropriate. So maybe it's it's an alarm. It's her ADT. So the book is screaming at him, and the castle is silent. So naturally, the whole everyone hears it, and who hears it but Filch. So Filch comes, and he's like, "I have to do my job. I have the most important job in the world. I am a white man." And so Harry runs away from him. (laughs) 
Harry runs away from him and he's going through all the passageways and he's like, oh my God, I gotta go. And then, so Harry has to hide because he's like, oh my gosh, because Snape has asked Filch if anybody is, mm-hmm. if anybody's going to the restricted section of the library or sneaking around at night, you gotta let me know, man. Yeah. And so, so they're just skulking around and Harry's like, well, I can't get caught because I'm invisible, but what if they run into me? So he sneaks into a classroom until they're gone. When he decides to pay attention to his surroundings for once in his goddamn life, <laughs> he realizes that there is a massive mirror in the room. So here he goes up to the mirror, and I feel like, I, I mean, I'm going to say this, but I feel like most people at this point know the inscription on the mirror is written backwards I show not your face, but your heart's desire. And Eris said his desire backwards. Nice. So thanks for that one. Desiree. When, thanks, when I was Joe. a child, I fully was like, this is Latin. The way that he reads it in the audiobook, you would think it's Latin. <laughs> so confident. But that is really this clever. This is Latin. <laughs> <laughs> but that's very clever, just on, especially the fact that it's a mirror. So it's like, mm-hmm. it's reversed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, that's true. Mirrored at you. It's very true. Red rum. Red rum. Red rum. So Harry goes in front of the mirror and he's surprised to see that there's people standing behind him, but there aren't actually people standing behind him. They're only in the reflection of the mirror. And surprise, surprise, who are they? The Potters. It's it's the Potters and the Evanses. But this is also classic sense. children's literature. Like, this is how you make your kid, yep. your main, main character, like, you feel bad for them automatically by making yeah. them an orphan. So Harry loves it. He's so excited. He runs back to the to the Gryffindor dormitory and he says, Ron, I gotta take you. And when he takes Ron, he assumes that Ron will see Ron's family. And that's not the case. Ron sees himself as head boy. He's Quidditch captain and he's got the Quidditch cup and the house cup. It's a lot. It is a lot. It seems unlikely. Go big or go home. Yeah, I guess. Go big or go home. It seems unlikely, but so then Ron gets excited because he says, oh my gosh, what if this tells the future? And Harry's like, yeah, well, my family's dead. So he just has to remind Ron Ron of that. Just like a little reminder. And so... As if Ron isn't aware, as if the whole world isn't aware that Harry's parents are dead. Like, just remember, Ron, who you're speaking to. This is the boy who lived, honey. Honey, you know who I am. Before you feel too bad for yourself because of your maroon sweater. Yeah, Yeah. because you have a literal family. dead. Yeah. (laughs) So the next night, Harry decides to go back to sit and look at his family. And when he goes back, he does not realize that he is not alone in the room because Albus Dumbledore is there too. Again, Harry not being observant at all. N- no. Back again, Harry? Mm-hmm. This is, so this is the part, the, these last couple pages are what made me cry. What if I was like, the part that made me cry was when Filch <laughs> walked into the library and couldn't find Harry. <laughs> I felt, me, re- I felt really bad for Filch. <laughs> yeah. The part that made me cry was when Filch came and he was hanging out with Snape again. Like, poor Filch. I, I got so nervous that Harry was going to get caught. My anxiety bubbled up that I literally started crying. <laughs> I was triggered. Okay. It reminded me of a very dark time in my life. 
I too once ran away from a custodian. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. So this is the first Harry Dumbledore interaction that we get in the series. And I, it's so perfect and it's so representative. Don't make fun of me, Adam. I'm not making fun of you, Allie. It's so representative of the way that they operate for the rest of the series. And it's just, it's a really beautiful introduction to, to their relationship and to, to, you know, who they are to each other. Yeah. Dumbledore, you know, talks to him and he says, you're back again. And, and Harry says, I didn't know you were there. And Dumbledore is well, like, well, I was invisible. Yeah. I have. Sorry. Okay. Let's we, talk about we it. We cannot move on from this. <laughs> Harry had stumbled in accidentally to the mirror. This was not like a purposeful thing. And there's no way, like, even if, even if, even if Dumbledore was like, well, I gave him the, the invisibility cloak, so I know he's going to use it tonight. <sighs> How did he know he would end up there? He opened up a book that screamed. And so he went to the mirror of Erised? <laughs> I don't know. I just, I'm like, I don't know. I don't Maybe. buy it. Maybe he had some type of detector in the room. I don't know what, but something that would tell him if someone found the room or someone came into the room or something like that. That's the only thing I can think of. I thought you were going to say that he had a detector on Harry so that he he always, he put (laughs) a little microchip in him. Mm -hmm. So he always knew where Harry was. I wouldn't put it by Dumbledore before he like likes Harry to be like, let me just he's got a little tracker on this kid. Yeah. Find that little cutie pie. Gotta get that little Horcrux child. Let me get him real quick. <laughs> so Dumbledore reveals the the what the mirror of Erisa does, which is that it, it shows you exactly what you want. But that being able to see that has driven men mad. And it kind of already starts to drive Harry a little bit crazy in the chapter because he doesn't care about anything else. He just wants to see what he most wants in the world. Yeah. Ron says he looks odd. But what I love this in this moment is that it's just, it's so gentle and it's, I, I think that Harry has lived his entire life feeling like anything that he does something wrong, he'll be punished for it. He'll get in trouble for it. Mm-hmm. You know, anytime that he, he steps out. And I just think that in a moment where he could be yelled at and instead he's taught a lesson is, is a really beautiful moment for Harry to have, especially with Dumbledore, because yeah, that's kind of what Dumbledore is there for to, mm-hmm. to encourage bad behavior. <laughs> Take but risks, then, Harry. Keep doing it. But then to make sure that Harry knows what the lesson is. Yeah. Just their relationship of the relationship of of Harry really looking to Dumbledore as I don't want to say like a father figure, but just as as you know a person yeah, that you a can trust, a mentor. Yes. And I think Dumbledore getting also feeling like he's getting something from the relationship because I, I think that there's there. Are, will come to discover that Dumbledore sees a lot of himself in Harry. And so I think, especially knowing that and just seeing their interactions, it's just very special to know what Harry means to Dumbledore and what Dumbledore means to Harry and have that in this first interaction. Yeah. I'm very interested to reread this series, especially like these scenes between the two of them, because 
I I just don't like remember and I feel like I want to be annoyed with Dumbledore, but I don't know why. Not because necessarily Harry's for so young. Not necessarily for this scene, but I guess I guess more like it feels to me and I guess like rereading it I might like differ my opinion, but it feels like he expected Harry to do the things to do things like that he should or like he he uses harry to perform tasks that an e- a peer of his would do but like doesn't treat harry like yeah, he, he respects still, him the same way yeah he still treats him like a kid but he's right. expecting him to do things that kids right. shouldn't be expected to do mm-hmm. yes it's like well because i'm older than you you should just listen to me and i i don't love that about it i don't love that the message yeah. is like just do what authority tells you no matter what and don't question it. There's a really beautiful moment when we get to the fifth book where he kind of like comes, comes clean to Harry about everything. Mm -hmm. Dumbledore. And at least for me that I remember really understanding kind of up until that point. Cause I think I felt that way too, after watching the movies, like I'd be like, why didn't he tell him this stuff earlier? Like he tells him like, you know, he dies basically. And Harry's left to kind of figure it out. And it's like, well, first off, he was still trying to figure it out himself, Dumbledore. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, kind of the way he describes it, it's like he thought it was better to be more hands off for a long time. Yeah. He just knew what was going to have to happen to Harry. And so he didn't want to get attached to him. But then obviously we all know that's not what ends up happening. He's very attached to Harry. So. I mean, I totally like, oh, like understand like him not being like, hi, Harry, we've just met. The Sorcerer's yeah. Stone is downstairs. Yeah. Um, th- th- this, that, and the other. You're a Horcrux, like all that. I get, like he's right. 11 years old. What are you gonna tell him, like that he's gonna be able to like retain and understand? But right. But I, I thought know. that after the second book, because he literally destroys a Horcrux. So I was like, you could maybe start to talk about it either in this book or the third book. You know, it's like, but I don't know how much Joe herself had figured out at that point. So yeah. Well, and Dumbledore doesn't really, he doesn't really have confirmation of the Horcruxes until the sixth book. So, so here's, here's what I will say and what is making me emotional right now. I think to your, to your point, Adam, I think that there is a real internal struggle or conflict there for Dumbledore as to what he wants to tell Harry and what he wants him and how he wants to protect him. And I just, I think that it's very reflective of like the theme of love that runs throughout the series. And just this idea of when you love someone, you want to protect them. You Mm -hmm. want them to succeed. You want to, you want them to get there on their own, you know, and you don't. And, and, and I think that he, he sees that this information would be very damaging to him. And I think there's a real part of him that wants to tell him what he knows so that he's not kept in the dark. But he, I, I think because of that, that, that trauma that he carries of what happened to his sister, he is very wary to, to do anything that might hurt him. And I think too, it, it allows us, because I, I, I think that the whole arc of Dumbledore is because we're really seeing him through Harry's eyes. And I think for a long time, Harry kind of holds him up as this golden standard yeah. of he can do no wrong. He's this, this great human being. And I think that it's only later in the series that we start to understand that no, he had very flaws and there were, 
he he made a lot of missteps yeah and i think and, and i and i think that that's what a lot of people who criticize dumbledore now focus on are, are the are the missteps and and the way that he handled the situation but i i think when we're looking at it in in the lens of his motivations and also and, i think one of the most powerful things you can do as a leader which is exactly what dumbledore does is just admit i make mistakes <laughs> I am not perfect. I have made very big mistakes because my decisions, you know, hold such weight. It's not something I take lightly. And that kind of, I didn't even know there was that much, not hate, but I guess like people that are being judgmental of Dumbledore. I did not know that was really a thing at all because I love Dumbledore and he's such a special character to me. Probably one of the most special characters out of all the books I've read. So I think that's a little, there really are people that are just like, he should have done this differently. There's there's people who essentially view Dumbledore as using Harry as a pawn, who who think that he had no real regard for Harry's well-being and his safety and just saw him as a means to an end. Oh, well, I don't think that at all. I just think this whole thing makes me it makes me really emotional and I'm feeling really emotional right now and I'll have I'm sorry, I'll have a lot to say. I think a lot of this is guided by what I think is the best chapter and what is my favorite chapter of the series, which is King's Cross. Mm. I, I think having read that a number of times and having looked at that from a lot of different ways, and we'll get to it when we get to it, and I don't want to, but it's hard for me to pass judgment on Dumbledore is, mm. is what I will say. Let me backtrack. I will pass judgment on Dumbledore. He left an infant on a porch. Okay. <laughs> I have no problem Trusted calling him Snape. out. Of that. No, just kidding. <laughs> like I, I get it, but I think when it comes to his character and his wardrobe choices, <laughs> honey. Yeah, get it together, hun. <laughs> we're not doing. Oh, you we're don't... not doing ten foot beards anymore. We're not doing that. <laughs> oh. I will not put up with this. I will destroy Dumbledore for you. <laughs> I will I will end this podcast. Ah, <laughs> uh, Dumbledore. What do you think Dumbledore saw? Ariana. I don't know if I have it. I guess I mean my initial Oh, you mean no, his I'm sister. Sorry. I'm sorry. I meant his sister. <laughs> oh, well that's what I was going to say. I was like I would say Ariana. That's I think what he I was actually, say. I'm not kidding. I think he actually saw socks. <laughs> you don't think he saw Johnny Depp in the mirror? <laughs> Bitch, no. He was over his ass. Ari, what would you see in the mirror of said? Oh, God. I was thinking about that as I was reading. I don't know. That's well, the, such a hard question to answer. The thing is, though, is that it's, it's an evolving thing. So just, oh, for because, sure. just yeah. because you see it in the mirror now doesn't mean you'll see it later. And I, I kind of think the same thing about the bogger. Is yeah. Just because it turns into something now doesn't mean. Yeah. I think currently I would see myself receiving a vaccine to the coronavirus. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Well, right now, yes. <laughs> Finally getting my unemployment. Just like at the doctor, Christ. getting, yeah, receiving a shot. Yeah. Me holding my uh, unemployment. <laughs> in the mail finally i'd like to thank gavin newsom for this yeah. <laughs> ali what Christ. would you see in in the mirror of erised i think that i would see uh jk rowling's tombstone <laughs> oh 
Oh my god! Wow. What a way to end an episode. Was it? Was that too much? Nope. Not at, not at this time. It is not too much. Yeah, not in our current climate. Okay. Um, <laughs> amazing. I mean, that's one for the books, kids. This is a great chapter. Yes. This is a great chapter. I agree. This is a really good chapter. I like how much, how drastic um, our experience with last week's episode, but we were like, and that's it. And then this now, we're like, this one of the best ones guys this is a good one mm-hmm. i mean the it's the chapter that has the iconic quote it does not do to dwell on dreams and forget to live yeah. which is like iconic. it's so good it's such a good line that, if they had not honestly, used that line in the film i would have been like excuse yeah. me it's right there yeah i think another great quote that's a little bit underrated is strange how nearsighted being invisible can make you oh yeah Another He's full of us, that Dumbledore. Thank you, that Albus. Dumbledore. Thanks, Albie. Thanks, Albie. Oh, Albie just makes me think of the birdcage. I think, I think this is my favorite quote from the chapter. Okay, tell me. But then he thought as he shoved Scabbers off his pillow. <laughs> <laughs> also, why is he... I think it's Do you know Scabbers- how fucking mad I would be if I got back to my goddamn <laughs> bed and there was a rat on my bed? I would throw him out the Gryffindor Tower window. <laughs> okay, great. Well, this was another thrilling episode of Harry Potter and the Anxious Millennials. Thank you so much for listening. Um, if you would please, sir, go to iTunes or po- go to the Apple Podcast app and please rate and review. Tell your friends to subscribe. It helps us find new listeners. If you're on Spotify, you can find us there. If you have SoundCloud, you can find us there. If you, what's the last one? Uh, Stitcher, we're on Stitcher. We're everywhere. It's crazy. We are on Twitter and Instagram at HPAnxious. Thank you, Allie. Thank you, Ari. Thank you, both of you at the same time. Thank you, boo-boo. Thank you, Allie. And as always, nice. on Not A Bit Network. Find us on Instagram at Not A Bit Network for our other shows.